0: Welcome to Everything Belongs, a podcast for those living, creating, leading, and thriving while in the deep end of life. I'm your host, Madison Morgan, leadership coach, creative consultant, and speaker. I coach soulful visionaries and go-getting mavericks who desire to create art of their lives and take their work both deeper and higher. In this show, I'll be bringing you an overflow of conversations with my favorite thought leaders teachers, healers, and creatives who inspire me to live more fully in my own power, worth, and wholeness, along with offering some episodes where I share my own practical insights, behind the scenes peeks into my process, and tools I use on my own journey. There will not be much we shy away from here because at this table, everything belongs. Therefore, you can expect me to ask the uncomfortable, juicy questions. You can expect that you'll hear people you disagree with on the podcast and maybe even ideas you've never previously considered. I trust you with your own discernment as we take this deep dive. You can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and be challenged by the guests as they share their diverse experiences and views of the world. It's my hope through learning to see that all of it belongs that you will develop a more sovereign way of holding yourself so you can playfully go after the life relationships and career you are made for to let all parts of yourself have a seat at the table to lead and create from your deepest truth and become your own source of validation all because you finally know you're worthy of it all that's required to get started that you show up curious and willing let's dive in Hello loves. I am so excited for you to hear this episode today with Mara Glatzel. We dive into neediness and so much more, but before we dive into the actual episode, I wanted to share with you that the upcoming Awakening to Freedom training is happening soon. We just are finishing up our stripped mini course and are going to really bring it all together with the Awakening to Freedom training. It happens on March 7th. And it kicks off three days of support to rewrite the old stories and start living your liberation now. So if you've been following my work at all, you know that I'm all about the esoteric and the mystical, but also really about the practical. And I wanted to bring something to you that was concise and supportive and practical to get you back in touch with your power, your wholeness, and your true belonging. So in this live training, it'll be a 90 minute workshop. I will support you to facilitate rewriting new narratives that perpetuate feeling broken and unworthy and really give you my framework for getting you back in touch with your power. So here's exactly what I'm going to be sharing in the training, just so you know exactly what's going on. I'm going to be sharing the three common mistakes I see people making when doing the work and I have doing the work in air quotes because it's such a trendy and popular term right now. I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. What does the work mean? <laughs> and what are the biggest mistakes we make when doing the work that actually is just perpetuating old programming in a completely new and therapeutic or coachy type garb, right? Right. Along with the three biggest mistakes people make, I'll be sharing the five main pillars of freedom that I teach to live your liberation now and remember your power in every moment. I will share what I believe is like the single most essential piece of, again, air quotes, doing the work that changed my life forever. And then after the 90-minute workshop, I'm going to be offering three integration days, which really just means three days where you will have access to me in our community Facebook group to get questions and coaching on the topic matter. I'm going to be giving a daily action-oriented prompt prompt, excuse me, for you to root into new stories and to live your wholeness alongside the community. So essentially in this training, if you've been taking Stripped or if you've, you know about my work, it is the culmination of all of the, the reflections we've been doing over the past couple of weeks, where I will be offering you tools, practical coaching and support that will help you really remove those limiting stories and years of programming that hold you back and allow you to move forward, knowing that there is nothing that you aren't worthy of <laughs> And if you are called to it, you're capable of it. So it's on March 7th. You can go to the link in the show notes to get access to this or go to awakenhersoul.com and you'll be redirected there. Um, But yeah, this is your invitation to live your liberation now. And to remember who you really are ultimately. So come gather with me in the live workshop. Obviously it's free and get the support you need. I'm so excited to be sharing this with you. Teaching live in that format is one of my favorite ways to be sharing. You'll get a PDF, you'll get the video and I'm just excited to see you there. All right. So let's dive into today's episode with Mara Glatzel. She is, if you didn't tell by the title of today's episode, she's needy and she's the host of the needy podcast. She's also an intuitive coach, a writer, a podcast host, and she helps humans radically reclaim their humanity by embracing their needs. Her superpower is saying what you need to hear when you need to hear it, and that is so true, and she's here to help you believe in yourself as much as she believes in you. In this episode specifically, we speak on being a needy-feeling human. And you will definitely hear me talking about my absolute denial of this until quite recently. And we explore what it feels like to search for safety and our own tendency to want to get our needs met outside of ourselves. And I call that abdicating responsibility (laughs) for our needs as well as what the shift to full acceptance and self-responsibility of our needs can look like within relationship to ourself, our relationship to others, motherhood, business, and our daily self-care practices. If you have ever felt needy, been afraid of being needy or that other people are needy, this is definitely an episode you're going to want to listen to. We go from talking about social self-care aesthetics, like Instagram aesthetics that actually might make you feel like crap because they're not your real needs, to unhooking from the story that all of our needs are trauma. And we talk about the nuance of needs and wants and uh, perfect. Wow. Can't even say that. Preferences and desires. Preferences. That was challenging. And we talk about perfectionism, excellence, and all of the goodies that come with learning to reclaim our needs and our humanity. So I'm pumped to dive into this conversation. Let's listen to it. Mara, I'm so grateful to have you on Everything Belongs. I I feel like our work is like sisters, and we're talking about the same thing in a such a, a different energetic way is how I perceive it. Would you agree in like the different like energy behind it?
1: Yeah. I love that. It's kind of like a Venn diagram, um, where there is total overlap in things that <laughs> yeah. we talk about. Um, but I like, I love that. I love finding people and the internet is so great for that. you are like, Oh my God, this person loves to geek out about the same thing that I do. And also of course we all bring our own, you know, our self, our own self to it. So yeah. It's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah. So you're the host of Needy, the podcast. I'm just naming that you're a projector and a nap queen. You you didn't say that, but I know that you are. You're a queer femme. You're a mother. You have history and social work. So just giving context for all the people. It's like, there's a lot of stuff going on here that is really going to inform the conversation. And I want to know if you could do like a 10 second intro to your work, how you would like just quickly, is that asking for an elevator pitch? Is that like super annoying? Like if you could give us an elevator pitch, what would you say?
1: I would say that I am a needy, feely human type who helps other needy, feely human types embrace their humanity and bring it into every corner of their lives.
0: I'm I'm someone who personally didn't identify as needy. I like don't identify as needy until very recently. So like I would never stumble upon needy podcasts and be like, I need the needy podcast, right? Until I'm like getting in touch with my own heart and I'm like, oh fuck. Fuck. I'm a needy feeler type. I didn't know that until recently. Did you always know that you were a needy feeler?
1: No, I like perhaps all needy feelers grew up. Like, really <laughs> feeling like this was the, like, albatross around my neck. Like, this is the thing about me that is the worst. You know, I have to absolutely, like, compartmentalize, put that away, hide that where nobody else is going to find it. You know, if I'm ever going to be successful in life, love, business, like, all of the the things that we're taught. And the reason why I called po- my podcast Needy is because it is such a – um like alarming word for people. Um, they're like, I don't want to be that Hi, I don't want to be that. I hate the whole idea of this. Uh, <laughs> and why, right. Why do we hate this thing that we inherently are as human beings? You know, like if you are a person in a human body, you cannot escape having needs. And yet many of us try really, really hard on a daily basis to escape our needs. Um, And yeah, so I find the concept of it really compelling and admittedly, because it's one of those things that I grew up with so much conditioning around too. It's like, that is bad. Do not be that. And especially in a romantic capacity, like nobody's going to want you if you are too needy Um, and doing so much exploring around that concept over the years and realizing like the neediness is not actually the problem especially when it comes to relationships with other people. It's like when we don't take responsibility for our neediness, when we try to outsource our neediness and like throw it onto somebody else's lap, uh, that's when we encounter the problem. And so, you know, the more that we can embrace our needs, the more that we can bring our needs into the front and center of our lives, actually our neediness becomes much less of an issue to deal with on every front, you know, from the workplace to our relationships, to, you know, our relationship with our kids or whatever it is that we have on our plate.
0: Okay, I want to dive into what you just said, like in a much bigger capacity, because I find that to be so fascinating and so true for my experience, like my hyper independence didn't solve my neediness, it also wasn't me taking responsibility. And something I know we both talk about a lot in our work is sovereignty and self responsibility. And a big thing I noticed in through Awaken Her Soul this like taking apart of self-responsibility is not hyper-independence. Sovereignty is not that you don't need people. It's a, and that equation of the two is really fascinating. So I'm curious when you say being needy isn't the issue, it's what happens when we abdicate our responsibility for our needs. Can you say more about that?
1: Yeah. So what I found, I'll just say in my own personal life, how this conversation really started for me was I I needed a lot of things and I didn't want to take responsibility for knowing what I needed um, and fully embodying my emotional and energetic self, understanding how, you know, my past and my trauma and my triggers showed up in my present day relationships, you know. It was also overwhelming for me. I basically wanted to, in my work, I call this a hot potato. I wanted to like toss it to somebody else's lap and be like, can you just like, give me what I need, please? And also- That's the most accurate. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just like, I've
0: never heard this, but that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. It's a hot potato.
1: Yeah. So in my work with my clients, we always talk about that as a hot potato. It's like, what am I tossing out? What's somebody tossing at me? Um, because as, as I was a hot potato tosser, I also am like a professional hot potato collector. So, you know, this concept is really relevant and, and light, like I like to laugh when I'm doing my self work. It is so important for me to be like, this is not, you know, this is like a a child's game. We can work with this. So, you know, what I was doing was I can't deal with all of this. Like, can you unpack it for me while also making that mean love? So, I'm now making you responsible for my needs, and not get like not get telling you what they are, but just expecting that if you love me, if you, you can't see me doing air quotes, if you love me, you will just know what I need. And of course, that person's like, I have no idea what you need. I'm like holding this hot potato of like your stuff, and it's uncomfortable. And I can see it's really charged for you. Um, And now I'm like, and now you don't love me. So I sure as hell, I'm not going to tell you what I need now. Right. And, and repeat and repeat.
0: That is like my entire marriage, (laughs) just like in a bow, really, you know, and now that I'm, I've been doing this work for some time. Um, and also Harriet Lerner's work, which you may be familiar with the over functioning and under functioning. And people like to identify with like either, or I'm either the over functioner or I'm the under functioner. But if you're over functioning for others to take responsibility for their needs, you are certainly under functioning because your needs are not getting met. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you can't be Either or it, you're always both because if you're taking responsibility for everyone else's internal world, which actually is impossible, then the parts of you are not being met, which is like totally me as the, to circle back, the high achiever, perfectionist, uh, like hyper independent, like I don't have needs. I'm just going to caretake everyone else's needs. Well, there's like a tender heart, that tender, needy, bleeding heart still there waiting for me. Oh, but the hot potato that I'm going to I'm going to take that to heart and it's going to become really obvious in my life when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, are there some telltale signs of throwing the hot potato?
1: I I notice, you know, for me, it's like I'm hot, I'm frustrated, like, I, you know. I'm, I'm rushing past my need to pause and really figure something out. And, and, you know, what I'm looking for is meeting my need for safety. So like, because of like a whole host of things, I also have a pretty insecure attachment style, you know, so because of a whole host of things about me and my past, you understanding me is really important. And you understanding me, especially when I don't understand myself, means everything's going to be okay. And this is so tender, but there is an abdication of self-responsibility here. And so for me, I work in this as a both-hand. It's like my my partner, my friends know about me that this is something that I struggle with and, um, and also, you know, working on this p- piece of like, okay, uh, I am responsible for keeping myself safe. And even though it feels better to have somebody else jump in and and do that for me, um, it's inherently so unstable. You know, it's like, I think about it like, sorry, I am an extremely visual person. So, you know, I see it like I'm like passing a rope. You know, this is my need for safety. I'm passing a rope. You're holding on to it. You don't even know you're holding on to it. You're like thinking about sandwiches or something. And here you're holding on to like my most precious and primary vital need of safety. And then you just like drop it and walk away and go make lunch. And here I am bereft that I'm unsafe, but it's inherently totally unstable to hand that over to somebody else. Now, sometimes we co regulate. Um, you know, we build this safety into our relationships, of course. But I think that even knowing what we need from another person in order to feel safe, asking for what we need from another person in order to feel safe, like be participating in the process, it super resonates with me as well. It doesn't mean I'm responsible for everything, but I am responsible for showing up and saying like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. Are you available for this? And also not taking their availability as some kind of like referendum on my worth or on the worthiness of my request. Like all of that falls into my purview. And that is such a practice.
0: Oh, yeah. I, in the work I do, I call that being sourced from within, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: is like having that deep well of safety inside of us. And I find that it actually allows the co-regulation and relationship with other people to be so much more rich because we're inviting people who actually have the capacity to meet our needs instead of <laughs> assuming everyone does and not actually looking for the clues that like, this person is not well, this person is not available. This person is not good for me. And so actually orienting towards the availability mm-hmm. and developing those relationships for me has become so much easier. And like I'm no longer looking for, those needs to be met in places where they cannot be met, which just makes everyone happier.
1: Yeah. Well, and like that, the assumption that gets made where it's like, my needs are not available to be met here, which must mean there's something wrong with them. And by proxy, there's something wrong with me. And I think that cycle, particularly when, you know, you're a kid and your parents weren't available to meet your needs, it is so baked in. Because of course, you know, that's an enormously painful experience. Constantly feel like you're too much, you're too sensitive, you need too much, your needs are a problem. And to receive that messaging when you are at such a young age, you don't actually have like the neurological capacity to even grok the concept of like, hey, this is an imperfect person and they don't have availability and that means nothing about me. And so we carry that into our adulthood and looking for that those needs to be met with unavailable people, but, and not making that leap, which is so beautiful the way you described it. So like that person's not available. And also that means nothing about my need. Like my needs are fine independent of whether or not they are met by somebody else. So how do you reconcile that? And how do you, I know you support
0: people in this. So how do you support, like, if you could support someone in reconciling They have a need that is not being met by someone else and can't be. And I guess I'll use an example from my life that I've personally wrestled with this is because my family is, you know, everyone says dysfunctional, but um, disjointed might be a better word. I have six siblings. None of us have the same two parents. So who is family has been very difficult because there's been a lot of in and out. And realizing that my dear friends who have families that feel very close have a sense of security and a bond and stability that doesn't exist for me. And it does and it doesn't. And so my need for that from others was so much greater. And I thought that there was something wrong that I was seeking to find that in friendship where friends had it already, kind of like looking for chosen family where people already had their family. And realizing that it was a grief I might have to hold while also receiving the love and care from people who had it, even though it was never going to replicate what their family unit looks like. It was never going to change what my history was. That was really difficult for me to reconcile. I have this deep need and it's no one. It actually isn't anyone's responsibility to meet it. And it's full of grief. And I have a family like I just see all spinning plates of like all of these realities are mm-hmm. real and I am loved and I am worthy. And so I'm curious, not necessarily using the example I had, but for other people who might have different like deep needs that weren't met, how do you help people reconcile that both can be possible, that both can be true?
1: Yeah. So such a great question. Um, you know, when I think about that example um in particular but also like broadening out it's like the the need it's the need for for that feeling but really the need is wrapped up in the tending to the grief so like um you know so often one of the biggest problems i think with with self care is this idea that it is going to somehow like alleviate fix or remedy the thing which is wrong and you know so we've we've been here now over these past 10 months of the pandemic for example that people are like well if i'm like if i can just find the right self care thing this huge global event that is having a profound impact on my life will somehow be no longer impacting me. And that goes to that hyper individualization. It's like how much pressure I'm putting on myself to be able to completely alter this, this like experience. And I think like, that's a big example, but also it's like, we, we can't help, but have the families that we had. We can't help but have had the relationships up until this point in our lives that we have had, you know, the experiences, like those things have happened to us. And I don't see this like tending to our needs as changing anything, but instead what we require to coexist with what is. So, you know, nothing, nothing about how I take care of myself is going to change the pandemic. But how I take care of myself is going to influence and um, bolster, reinforce my personal capacity to be with what is. So, you know, if I'm experiencing profound grief, you know, and I know so many of us carry mother wounds, carry family wounds, like these like aching parts of ourselves that are rooted so deep in our childhood that, you know, they're sometimes almost wordless, I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily saying like, what does that part of us need? Although I'm into that. I'm interested in that. But what I'm first interested in is what do I need in order to just be with my history and be with my past? Because we require such a like incredible energetic capacity to do our own work. And so, you know, it's like, we want to get to the bottom of like, why can't I drink enough water? Why can't I take care of it? It's like, just, you need to drink the water and get the rest in order to have the conversation about why you can't drink the water and get the rest. So it's like, we can't zoom past taking care of ourselves and digging deep into our stuff. Is that like that too? It's like, it really requires profound energy to be with grief. So, you know, part of this is like, what does the grief itself need from me? And the more that I am giving to myself and bolstering my capacity, the more of that, you know, is going to become available to me. And we're also tending to ourselves and you know, really reinforcing that feeling of safety within our nervous system, within our, our, you know, our physical body, all of that, when we take the time and the attention to create a really safe environment inside of ourselves, because when we bypass all of that, you know, I don't know about you, but what happens for me is like, it's like the wild west inside of me. And when I am in that place, everything is tenfold as scary as it needs to be, you know, like there's a lawlessness to it that, you know, I'm completely lost and afraid. And so the more that I can work my way, like through my physical capacity towards the grief, towards the thing underneath the grief, the greater chance that I stand of being able to coexist with something that's really hard for me to hold, really hard for me to be in the presence of, and, you know, which requires like a lot of energy to kind of sift through and see where I where I stand.
0: What I love about what you just said is It's just being with what is. And I find that a lot of self-help and seeking self-help is like, how can I get over what is or be better than what is so that I can thrive? And thriving requires acknowledging reality. We have to... like. I see this a lot or I saw this a lot in evangelicalism when I was very, very Christian of like, if we just do all the things and pray and fast, then we can transcend the human experience and then be with God and in in this life. And also in the next life, as if like this body and what is real here doesn't matter. If we, if we have like the right potion or the right self-care practice, then we can transcend it. And so, which brings me to, ridiculous morning routines and um, like checklists and all of the things we're supposed to be doing that make us feel like absolute shit because we can't keep up with all of them. And we don't have six hours every morning to do all of the things. So I have heard you talk about like this, you don't, I don't know if you say faux self-care, but this like concept of self-care that is not rooted in what you actually need. It's rooted in like this glamorized instagramable beautiful like people meditating in all white and then I don't know using palo santo and then like 15 crystals around them and I'm sure everyone has their own instagram image of what this is can you explain the difference <laughs> why that doesn't work and why that feels like shit
1: yeah. So, so many people come to my work saying like, I've tried self care and it just doesn't work. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about like what exactly you've tried. Um, because so often it's this, it's like. The Instagrammable thing or like, you know, these like 10 steps to whatever. And this, this concept that self-care is prescriptive and should work for all of us under every circumstance, instead of being responsive and the, the way that we are attuning to and tending to our, you know, physical, emotional, mental, energetic, spiritual bodies in the present moment. And that's going to look totally different. So, you know, it's kind of like say your body's walking around. It's like water and you're like coffee. Oh, here you go. Right. Like what I assume you need or it's like water like, oh, exercise. Yes. 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 right. Here you go. Water bath. Oh, absolutely. Here we go. Like, you know, and instead of taking the moment. And, you know, we do this for so many reasons. We want to need what we want to need instead of what we actually need, because we're, we're in relationship with space and time in a way that excludes our humanity. So, you know, I'm over here thinking like, this is what my day looks like, and this is what I have time for. And this is what I understand. And like, you know, versus actually attuning to my body, that's like, like a messy closet I might open up. Anything could spill out. And I do not have time for that. But you can't ignore your way to a relationship with your body. You know, you can't ignore your way to a relationship with your needs. Like you, you have to be willing to open the scary door that things are going to tumble out of. And I think instead you know, um, thinking about it from a perspective of like, okay, this is like, <laughs> I need like the whole like kit and caboodle today, but what I have the capacity, like what's doable for me is this, you know, we avoid being in the presence of our needs because we make the assumption that once that need reveals itself, we have to immediately need it. You know, it's sort of like if you're in a relationship and you know, this isn't the relationship for me um, I need to like immediately ask for a divorce. I need to immediately, you know, whatever. And, and, or, you know, this job isn't the right job for me. And now that I know that I need to like immediately quit before I have anything else lined up that we can be with our needs, just like we can be with anything else for a period of time while we're making sense of it. You know, we don't have to uncover something, know everything about it immediately, make a decision and like, and go. And when we're, we're holding that expectation for ourselves, of course, we're not going to open the door because, you know, I have maybe five minutes and who knows what's going to hop out. So I think it's really important to take the time to, you know, and develop whatever kind of personal practice. I mean, like, it could be like two minutes you're like, hey, what do I need today? Um, and if the answer is, I need to you know, not work at all today. And I have a bunch of things on my list. You know, I'm not here. Now we have competing needs because my need for contribution is really important. My need for whatever else it is that's competing with that also really important. And so what is doable might be asking myself what I need in order to show up for what I have committed to that's really important for me and not just abandoning it, but, you know, and again, it's like being willing to take your whole self with you wherever it is that you're going. So like, if I woke up this morning and was like, Oh, you know, this is real. (laughs) This is a real example. (laughs) I have, I mean, I feel pretty energetic this morning, but I have a one-year-old who doesn't sleep. I also have a four-year-old who doesn't sleep, but um, the one-year-old is like the problem right now. And you know, every morning, pretty much, I wake up feeling tired because I was awake in the night multiple times with a child. Uh, and and also, I run my own business. So, like, sometimes I take extra time for myself. Sometimes I have, like, an awesome opportunity like this to get on the phone with you. And then the question becomes, like, what do I need in order to bring be my human self, but also show up for that thing that I really want to do. And, you know, maybe that's more water, or maybe that's making sure I eat like a real breakfast or, 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 Um, but it's the willingness to bring our body with us wherever it is that we think that we're supposed to be going.
0: I love that. Um, I think you saw this on my Instagram previously. I'm not sure that you did, but I posted it and so you might have been there to see it. <laughs> and it was just that I require a yummy beverage to do errands. I hate errands. I hate them. I'm I don't want to do it. Like honestly, fuck the post office. Even though I'm thankful for the United States Postal Service, I don't want to be there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to tape anything. I don't want to wait in the line. And so I get myself a treat. Every time I go. And I posted about this, about like making a joke that it was like my worst quality is that I require like a $10 beverage to go do any errands. And I had a conversation with a friend and it was like, that could be because of trauma. And I'm like, that is relevant. And also, I don't know that having needs is necessarily trauma. Maybe, maybe that's what's required to reparent a part of myself that is traumatized from, I don't know, being overly responsible quite young and also like I'm a person. And so I love this idea of just like our body, we don't have to make it mean so much. Just what do I need to do these things and not like who's blame and how many therapy sessions do I need to figure out why it is that I require this ridiculous beverage, but just meeting the need
1: Yeah. And And not
0: going to the post.
1: office. Yeah. Yeah. And not like, I love that. Like not judging the need, not saying like, oh, well that's ridiculous. So many of my clients will be like, oh, I have this need, but like, that's preposterous. It couldn't be that because what I think I should need is this thing over here. And you know, we're multifaceted human beings. We need all kinds of stuff. And some of it's totally ridiculous or frivolous. And that is a facet of our personality. And like that may have to do with trauma that may be like, this is my inner child, like aching for a s'more, uh, you know, at eight o'clock at night. And I can have that because I'm a grown up and I do what I want, maybe. And also maybe it's like, this is who I am. And part of joyfully embodying my, you know, personal stuff is that I require a fancy beverage. I'll let you know that yesterday I went to the store and I was like, oh, you know, like I'm about to get my period. This like feeling, you know, it's like post inauguration. Like, I don't just don't know. And I ended up, I got like groceries and like six special beverages, because not only did I need to have the special beverage, I wasn't sure what it would be in like COVID. So I'm not going to go back out with my baby and like get more. So I was like, I'm just going to get a few and I'm going to decide what it is. And like, that's totally frivolous. Totally. Um, But part of that for me too, is like, I, I get to choose, Like that part of that heavy responsibility for me is around being like, this is my law in life and I have to make the best of it always. Like I, you know, I committed to this, now I'm going to do it. I, this is my, whatever, like I'm married to it. I am, I am like overly functioning in that way, which is like, this is my responsibility and I will carry that with me forever. And so you can play with that in small ways. Like I made myself this smoothie and it's really not good, (laughs) you know, like, is there, could I, instead of just, like, being, like, this is a smoothie that you got, drink it, you know, it's, like, maybe I could add, like, I don't know, a little bit of something else that would make it better, it's, like, that, that piece of being in relationship with ourselves, where we don't just force ourselves to, like, muscle through it, But instead, pause and like, okay, like, I mean, and maybe not, maybe it's like, this is the kombucha that you're stuck with. Okay. But, you know, but, (laughs) but, but, but maybe there, there is, um, like, even just training yourself to see, like, what am I muscling through? Could I, like, do I need socks? Do I need to get up and pee? Like all of these things that are, that we bypass, like, these are all integral parts of this conversation.
0: Yeah, well I think you're bumping up against wants and needs as both valid too. And that's that's really interesting because need feels like something like I need to do this and want is like Like, do you really, do you really need, that was what I would say to myself. Do you really need the beverage? Well, no, I don't like, I don't need it to exist to survive. Um, But is that like, am I, am I just trying to survive? Like, I would like to enjoy, I would like to enjoy it also. And what if, what if I have a a need for joy? Mm -hmm. Like, what if I have a need for my food to actually be tasty and a need for delight? I have a somatic therapist who identified that I have a high excellence need and um, it shows up when things are not excellent. Whenever people are not performing excellently, um, like I'm that person that's like, oh, if I'm not careful, I'm going to be at the grocery store telling this person that they're bagging all of my groceries. Exactly. The bananas on bottom, you know, I'm just like, what? Excellence says bananas on top. <laughs> so I, I don't ever say anything, but that's like to be rude, but I'm like, okay, the bananas don't squish the bananas. But what I did was I bought a Peloton because while I'm in this COVID portal pandemic, I am not able to exert the level of physical energy towards excellence that like I was doing in fitness classes previously. And you know, I would try to evaluate why am I so intense and why are, why do I have this need to just like perform at a high level? And it can show up also in competition or comparison whenever it comes out sideways, when it, whenever I don't allow it to exist. But to say I have a high excellence need, how can I channel this in a way that doesn't show up in any shadowy ways where I, because I deny it and think it's wrong, but just say this deserves to exist. And I'm going to play with it. So I want to circle to the conversation on perfectionism, if you're available for it, because I am really interested in the difference between excellence
1: and perfectionism. Oh, I love this question. Um, you know, I have I have a very high excellence need also and like that idea that there is like a right and best way to do everything and I you know my partners like you have opinions about things that like nobody needs to have an opinion about I'm like if you ask me what the right and best way to do this thing is I just have that ability to be like bananas yes. on top like you know I I like have obviously. a quick obviously yeah I have like a quick response for all of that Um, and I'm, I'm with you and I find it's so interesting. It's like, uh, Tanya Geisler talks about this a lot. It's like, what is your value? And then thinking about it from that part of like, where does it, like, like, how does it play in the light and how does it play in the shadow? And for me, um, I experience a lot of the same things and, you know, it's like, what is both like really can be like really beautiful in my business because it's like creative aesthetic like I think of this value in my mind I refer to it as everything being just so I like love things to be just so and that is just so as it relates to me it has nothing to do with anybody else Um, but I really want it to be like that Um, and when it's not I'm like perturbed knocked off balance Um, you know telling (laughs) telling people Yeah, like telling people in my mind what to do when I, like, it's not my responsibility. Um, And so I love that idea about, you know, how do, what do I need to, like, keep my kilter in this, this value? Because everything that we value, every way that we're showing up in the world has this, like, spectrum from light to dark, where it's working for us or it's not. You know, for me another way place that this shows up is like, I have a really high value around being, um, emotionally and energetically responsive to what's around me. It's the reason why my work is so rich and delicious. And the shadow side is like, I'm in your shit and it is a problem for me. Um, and you know, again, (laughs) what I find is that I need, a lot of physical capacity and stamina in order to know where I am and have some maneuverability within it. Because otherwise it's like, things are dark. I'm not sure why I don't know how to get out of it. I'm like in a hell of my own creation and everything needs to be perfect, but I'm like burning out and I don't have the capacity to make anything perfect. So I'm being even harder on myself and like things are getting like cloudy really quickly. And so for me in that spot, and I love the idea of like using exercise for this is like great. Um, it, it works for me too. It's like, you know, what do I need in order to keep more of an even keel here so that I can even have that top level view of like, what am I doing? And, you know, back to what you said before about the wants and the needs, you know, I always think about how a need is something you require and a want is something that you desire And also both are essential. Like my clients will come in and be like, okay, so this is a want and this is a need. I'm like, I see what's happening here. You're being like, I have this much energy and space to go around. So I have to put this into a hierarchy and it's going to be needs first. And then once I'm like, yeah, but actually both are important because it's like, I need to move my body, but I want to move my body in this specific way that like really is a good fit for me. Or like I need a beverage, but I want this thing that like is really just like the right perfect thing for me. And it's going to satisfy me in a way and, and, you know, like have this quality of life feeling to it that is really nourishing and really sustaining. And so both of those pieces are important and both of those pieces are pertinent to this place of like, how do I stay with myself? so that I can even notice you know and for me when I'm not taking care of myself um the way that I need to my my like emotional fragility is starts like throwing up flags pretty soon in and if I if I bypass that and I'm like I'm freaking out but it's fine if I bypass that like I'm quite quickly getting into the territory of like I can't trust my own thoughts And so I think that like when we're talking about taking care of ourselves, it's important to remember too that when we're really exhausted, when we are like having a lot of needs that aren't being met, things in our minds get really murky. And too often we see those as moral failings or weaknesses or something that's wrong about us, like signals that we need to work harder when it could and that could not be further from the truth. So, you know, when we're taking, when we're, like, sliding into that perfectionism, really seeing that as, like, hey, this is a warning sign for me that, like, I need to slow down and take a nap or whatever it is, get outside, Um, and not, like, listen to this part of my brain that's, like, yeah, if you just, you know, work harder, do more, do this, do this, because we're so conditioned to see our needs as being these problems, like, these weaknesses. and, like, when I'm getting really needy, you know, I, that that ability to have that oversight, that, like, compassionate witness of my own life uh, abandons me pretty quickly. And it took a long time, you know, to really notice that and to really start to trust, like, oh, wow, here I am, like, swimming deep in the pool of self-doubt, comparing myself to everybody on the Internet who I actually like um, you know, telling myself all kinds of lies about how this one thing means everything. Like all of those are not actual truths about me, but signs that I need something from myself that I'm not getting.
0: Oh, so much of that, just yes, especially how the comparison can come between relationships where you're like, I actually love this person and seeing it as there's something I need for myself here. I'm curious how this has shown up for you in motherhood in the pandemic, as you are a business owner, because from what I'm hearing from my clients who are mothers, um, the capacity is different than it's ever been.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so tricky. It's funny. I was talking to a client of mine who is a new mother um, a couple of days ago and talking about this, like you can't help, but be who, how, and where you are. And where I am right now is the mother of a very feisty one-year-old and a very um, talkative, exuberant four-year-old. And my kids, I'm lucky to still, you know, the, the COVID cases are low-ish here. You know, they, they're both, it's a small town. They're both in like small daycare programs. So I have some time to work where they're not here, but like 10 hours a week. And oftentimes, as I said before, those 10 hours, like, I'm really tired because they don't sleep. You know, they're having their own COVID anxiety that is showing up in, you know, monsters in the night. Um, And it's so, for me, you know, it's like now I'm tired, right? And, and also my perfectionism is showing up because I want to be a certain way in my work that like may just not be possible right now. And so I'm faced with the choice of like, don't produce anything or produce things that are less perfect than you might want, which means sometimes there's going to be like a baby crying in the background of a podcast, or, you know, I'm going to show up on a call with one of my communities and be who and how I am. But I think that like, It's for me, it is so politically important to do that and to be a model for that, even when it's uncomfortable. And I think, you know, not everybody is in this capacity where they're teaching or they're sharing and like their life is a vessel for their work. But for me, it's like, it is so important to let people see me in this space of being like, yeah, you know, whatever it is I might judge myself on, it's like. I, this thing is taking 17 times longer than I thought it reasonably should take or told you that it would. And like, that's that. Um, or, you know, in my, my, with my people who work for me in my business, it's like, you're having a thing. Well, if I'm really walking my walk, like you're, you have space to be a human, just like I have space to be a human. And, you know, just like opening that closet with like the clutter coming out and like the darkness, it, this is, in, it is inherently inconvenient to be a human. It means we have exited the realm of perfection and are in like the swirling realm of like shit happens over here and we're, we're kind of like making the best of it and like making it work. And so from that perspective, like having kids, re- this, was, this was a painful adjustment for me. The first probably two years of my older daughter's life were like wrought with like real self-judgment because I was like, I am a mess now um and it took a little while for me to get to the point of being like you know what this is like the stage of life that i'm in this is this is real and also this is valid there are a lot of other people who are in this same place of feeling like i'm running my business i'm homeschooling my kids i'm making dinner i'm tired um and and i'm making it all work um you know i will say that In this scenario, cultural wisdom says like your needs as a mother and or parent goes to the end of the line. And I would say that's like couldn't be further from the truth. Um, You know, I was cracking up the other day that my daughter came into the room and she was like, are you available to help me with whatever Um, and that like, I have trained my children to be like, I am not universally available to you. (laughs) I love you. And also like, no boundaries, um, which like my partner, you know, even will be like, that's like, just help them. I'm like, I'm not available to help them right now. I'm like having whatever me time I'm having, like listening to five minutes of NPR, like in the pantry. Um, You know, and so I think that like our needs are so important. And again, it's from that place of it's like, if you care about your kids or your business or your job or your relationships or whatever it is, like your, your social justice activism, if you care about that commitment, you have to make a tandem commitment to your own energy in order to make good on whatever it is, because otherwise it's inherently unstable. You will burn out. What kind of commitment is that anyway? And so for me, when I'm thinking about it, it's like, it's going to go more slowly than I want it to. It's going to be less perfect than I think that it should be. Um, You know, my number one priority always is to the emotional health and well-being of everybody in my house. And that includes me first and foremost Um, and my business, right, too. Like if I'm not doing well, (laughs) nothing's going to resonate. You know, I could be like busy writing Instagram captions till the cows come home, but like nobody's going to share them because it is not coming from a true place. So, you know, really bringing that, my, my own needs into right relationship with uh, how I'm spending my energy. It's like, it has to be at the front of the line and no one want. I don't want it to be at the front of the line either. You know, this is, this is such a practice. It's like, Hey, this is what society tells you is right and good. This is how much time you legitimately have and also, like, you got to bring yourself with you. Otherwise, where are you really going?
0: Goodness. I'm not a mother. I'm a, I'm, I, you know, I've been on TikTok. I'm just, a, I'm a, I've been on TikTok. I've been doing it and I've been loving it. And here's the thing, those of you who know TikTok and are in the same for you pages and you're going to know what I'm talking about whenever I say the videos of people holding their dog and it goes, I'm a mother. And they're like, I holding the, anyway, if you don't know it, you don't know it. Um, But that's what just came to mind. I'm not a mother. I'm a dog mother. And I was sharing with you before just getting a puppy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, just even these little things of like highly inconveniencing. In the way that I used to feel like having to eat and having to go to the bathroom and having to shower also at one stage of my life felt highly inconveniencing. I'm like, I'm busy doing Mm -hmm. other things. How dare my body need something from me when I'm having so much fun, probably working. That's probably what I was doing, just working. So I love also what you said about, are you available for this? Because I think that also resonates with like just asking myself and asking ourselves, am I available for this? And that's my favorite phrase actually, just to decline invitations is like, I'm not available and that can be because I have another meeting and that can be because I need to take a nap, but I'm not available. Mm-hmm. <sighs> just bless all of the parents right now. Bless yeah. all the parents. Are you are you good for some rapid fire? Yeah, sure. I have two just rapid fire that I'm adding on because I'm curious. One is your zodiac sign. Sun rising if you know them. Pisces, Pisces and Leo guess. rising. Yeah. Great. Great. I was going to guess Pisces for you. I have two Pisces parents and a Pisces moon. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: next question is what was more difficult for you coming out as a queer
1: femme woman or coming out as needy? <laughs> a Good one. Uh, I came out when I was 14. Um, it was very, uh, not, I mean, it was hard, but it was like not, not as hard as it is for many people. Um, coming out as needy, like I'll just give you a quip, which is my dad the other day was like, you should name your podcast something else. That's embarrassing. People <laughs> don't want to be that. So like. That just is like what I'm coming from. Um, no, I think that coming out as needy is like so embarrassing. I'm working on this needy book now. And I said to my partner, Cookie, I was like, are you ready to be like married to the neediest woman in America? And she was just like cracking up because <laughs> it's still this thing. It's like to say like I'm I'm pretty high maintenance. It's okay. It's all right. It's
0: that Leo rising. Yeah. With all that watery, watery sun. Okay. The regular, the regular rapid fire, but I had to know, I was like, this is fascinating because being needy feels more dangerous to me than being queer. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: it's like, even in the queer community, what nobody is your wants needy person. <sighs> Sorry. No, I said, even in the queer say, community, like, nobody needy. wants that. Yeah. So mm. much
0: programming. Okay. Mm. Let's do these as quickly as as they happen spiritual background what is your spiritual background
1: very spiritual and no particular direction
0: cool how do you know when you know it feels more right than it feels wrong what identities have you let go of to
1: own your fullness today perfectionist um control freak uh good girl um leader like a specific kind of leader uh, highly, not highly sensitive, but like highly, like that, like in that, like, um, like gifted kid kind of thing. A lot of feeling. Mm -hmm. I understand.
0: (laughs) What are you most enjoying learning right now?
1: Hmm. Right now, I'm learning how to knit a sweater. I've learned I've known how to knit for a while, but I'm learning how to knit a sweater, and it is very challenging. And also, I'm here for it.
0: I shared the knitting pattern to Bernie's gloves on Instagram today. If you are interested in knitting Bernie's gloves, so I can forward that to you. <laughs> I am
1: interested okay, in Bernie's gloves. what does gloves, Grace? So.
0: Yes, aren't we all? Aren't we all interested in Bernie's gloves? What does Grace mean to you?
1: Giving myself and other people the benefit of the doubt.
0: Mm. What's your go-to coffee shop order?
1: Mm, um, Oat latte with maple syrup. Yum.
0: Last question is, what
1: do you want? I want to get a book out into the world in the next two years. Mm. Yes. I'm so
0: excited to read it. I'm so excited to read it.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm excited to, I've written a draft of it. I'm excited to work, work on it a little bit more and, and uh, find a home for it. Mm. Putting it out,
0: putting it out into the universe. Anything else that you needed to say that you wanted to say to use the two terms that we brought up today before we go?
1: No, thank you for having me. This was a great conversation and uh, I just so enjoyed being here with you. So thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Everything Belongs. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, so that others might find this podcast too. You can find the show notes and find out more about today's guests by going to madisonmorgan.com podcast. And before you go, I want to tell you about Everything Belongs, the membership. For only $17 a month, join my monthly workshop gatherings that will serve as a playground and sacred circle to learn and explore a spirited life fully expressed in your worth, wholeness, and power. Members will have the opportunity to vote on podcast guests, pick workshop topics, send in questions to be answered live on the call, get a monthly journaling PDF, and members only access to all of my coaching programs. If you're looking for a place to ground, gather, play and explore all of the conversations shared here on Everything Belongs, then this is a space for you. For more information, go to madisonmorgan.com backslash membership. And if you're not following and chatting with me over on Instagram, please go do that now and DM me and let me know your favorite part of this episode. I cannot wait to hear from you. And until next time, remember that curiosity can be a portal to a rich life where everything truly belongs. See you next time.